Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight. This is Dr. Joe Luciani, and I'd like to welcome you to another session of self-coaching, where I answer real-life questions submitted by readers to my website. And today's focus is going to be worrying. We all know a little bit about worrying, don't we? Yeah, that's that hand-wringing, gut-wrenching, stress-producing, anxiety-producing feeling that just seems to creep up out of nowhere sometimes and then refuse to go away sometimes. That's called rumination. As my patient said to me last week, don't tell me worrying doesn't work. Most of the things I've worried about never happen. So there you go. But I'll tell you, let's, let's first take a look at Todd's question, and we're going to dive right into this. And we'll get to the motor that drives worrying. So Todd writes, Dr. Joe, I'm not sure if it's because of everything that's going on in the world right now, but I just can't stop worrying. I worry about getting older, about whether I'll ever get married, whether I'll be able to fall asleep tonight. I just worry about everything, and I just can't stop. Why is this happening to me? Well, before we try to answer that question for Todd, let's, let's understand the motor behind worrying, anxiety, and emotional struggle. And that motor is insecurity. Now, insecurity is something we all possess. You see... No one escapes that because we're essentially vulnerable creatures. No one grows up with perfect parents. No one escapes loss, separation, illness. So to some degree, we all have insecurities. And again, it's a matter of degree. So what happens in our developmental years as we start to feel some vulnerability? Well, since we are survival machines, what do we do? We try to find ways to feel safe. So we try to compensate insecurity. And we do this with strategies of control. Now, I'm not talking about a kind of normal control. I'm talking about over-controlling life. And that's what insecurity does. It drives towards that over-controlling life where we try to maybe avoid life, where the perfectionist or the compulsive person tries to control it. Take the perfectionist. It's a good example. Why do you think perfectionists want to be perfect? Well, you might think, well, they just really are very perfected-minded people. Well, not quite. You see, the truth is that most perfectionists, they're not trying to be perfect. They just don't want to screw up. You see, so in order to avoid vulnerability, if I'm perfect, if I live in a perfect world, if I create a perfect world, I'll be invulnerable. Well, tell that to someone who's living a compulsive lifestyle uh, and ask them how their stress level is. So what about worrying? Well, that's a controlling strategy too. You see, we're trying to control our vulnerability by worrying. And that's what we're going to get into today. Now, why is worrying a controlling strategy? Well, think about it for a second. Why do we worry? Well, we're trying to anticipate what's coming around that corner. So why do we do that? Well, we do it because 
we feel if we know what's coming, well, then I can be braced. Then I could be ready. You see, so worrying gives you the feeling like you're doing something when you feel relatively out of control. It's the illusion that you're doing something. Worrying. Now, worrying exists in the future because we're not worrying about things that are, that are happening now. We project that forward into things that may go wrong in the future. It's the what ifs. What if this happens? What if I need a biopsy? What if I lose my job? The what ifs. We worry about chaos. We don't worry about things going right. You don't, you don't, for example, say, gee, I hope the heck I never win that lottery. Of course not, because worrying is trying to brace us. It's one of those insecurity controlling strategies designed for one thing, to protect us from life and to make us feel less vulnerable. So why do we do it? Well, we do it because insecurity is ruling you see, when insecurity rules, there's only one game in town, and that's control, control, control. Now, I have nothing against control. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we wear seatbelts. We take vitamins. You know, this is good control. So there's also another kind of control. Let's call it over control. I mean, if a Cat 5 hurricane's coming through tonight, and I'm a little bit worried about a limb falling on my roof and the tree is right out there over my house, well, we could kind of say that that, that kind of seems like a justifiable concern. And of course it is. So a little bit of worry when it's justified by circumstances and it's proportionate. Now, let me explain that because that's, that's really important. A lot of worries that really are neurotic worries are worries that are disproportionate to circumstances. They're ruminative, and oftentimes they're really unrelated to reality and more related to the possibilities of what might happen. What if I lose my hair when I get older? What if I, if I don't have any children? You see, these aren't circumstantially driven problems. Now, we have a COVID-19 going on right now, and a, a pandemic where, where we do have a circumstantial stressor. So many people are more concerned, more worried than in a more mundane environment. But it's the person that just starts to worry all day long, all night long, 24-7, that ruminative over and over. That's the person who's allowing insecurity to drive that concern. So let's make a quick distinction. There's concern and there's worry. Now, what's the difference? Well, worrying is the anticipation of future chaos. As I mentioned earlier, it's the anticipation of things going wrong. What about concern? Well, concern is much more reasonable. When you're concerned about that limb that's going to fall in that Cat 5 hurricane, it braces you to do things, to be proactive, to really be in the moment and take precautions. It's the seatbelt and the vitamins. We're concerned about our health, so we control, good control, in a good way. But bad control would be like wearing suspenders in case your belt breaks. I mean, that's, that's kind of what, what worrying is about. It's, it's, it's why we knock on wood. You know, we're trying to control fate. We're trying to find a way to be safe when our insecurity tells us that we're most vulnerable, that no matter what happens, I can't trust myself. 
And that's the underlying antidote to worrying. You see, if insecurity drives all this, then what's the answer? What's the end game? Well, the end game is self-trust. Okay, now here's the rub. This is where I'm getting at today. And that's the fact that insecurity robs us of self-trust. You see, you come to distrust yourself and you come to trust your controlling strategies. So without self-trust, the only game in town is controlling life. Controlling life, controlling fate. Why do you think we knock on wood, right? Oh, I haven't been sick in a year. Knock, knock, knock. Well, what's going on with that? Well, because basically we're saying, uh-oh, I just said something and now fate is going to come by and wham, it's going to give me a shot. So you knock on wood to kind of ward off fate. And aren't we trying to control fate when we worry? When we say, what if I need to get a root canal? Now, what is worrying doing in a situation like that? Well, yeah, you could say it's, it's kind of bracing you for what's coming or what might come. That's more important. But, but I always find that with some people, they kind of feel superstitious about it. Like the guy worrying about a, a root canal, for example. He might sit in my office and tell me, hey, doc, you know, I know I'm worried about something that may not happen. It's just an ache in my side of my tooth. I don't, it may just be a small cavity or maybe nothing. But I'm worrying that I might need a root canal. Well, you see, when I say to that person, well, what would happen if you stop worrying? It's interesting the response I get. The response I typically get is, well, you know, uh, I don't know, Doc, because if I stop worrying, you know, maybe something bad's going to happen. Huh, there you go. Maybe something bad's going to happen. So you see, we superstitiously get involved in protecting our worry. We believe it's doing something for us. And in a sense, it, it is in that it gives us a sense of being in control, a pseudo sense. You know, we're not really in control, but worrying gives us that illusion. At least we're doing something. Now, there's the key. We're doing something when we feel there's nothing that we can do. And when there's nothing that we can do, we go back to the insecurity. And that's where the vulnerability lies. The vulnerability. I've got to do something. I've got to protect myself. You know, we don't have wings to fly away and claws to protect ourselves. We're vulnerable beings, and we've got to protect ourselves. So without self-trust, we've learned to worry. We've learned to worry about the future. Now, you probably already guessed where I'm going with this, and that's that since the future doesn't exist, would we be better off practicing staying in the present. Now, if you could accomplish that, you wouldn't be worrying. You know, worrying would stop immediately. So would anxiety. You see, because in the present moment, you're not projecting that insecurity forward. And that's the key. We're projecting insecurity forward, and we're trying to develop strategies to feel more and more in control more and more in control. I need to repeat that. It's an over-controlling way to live your life. Now, why is that so terrible, you might ask? Well, let me answer you. You see, it's so terrible because life wasn't meant to be over-controlled. That takes effort. That takes energy. It's stressful. Now, a worrisome, worrywart, 
ruminative of a person is chronically stressing themselves by worrying, worrying, worrying. We're driving stress. Now, what does stress do? Well, here's an FYI. For one thing it does, it depletes chemistry. You know, we've got some balancing chemicals in our brain. We've got serotonin, norepinephrine, dopamine. These are balancing chemicals. Now, the way to understand this is think of a bucket. And the bucket contains our balancing chemicals. Now, if we poke holes in the bottom of that bucket, what happens? Well, the balancing chemicals will drip out. Drip, drip, drip. And as they drip out, our brain chemistry, our emotional balanced chemistry, begins to become imbalanced. So this is where when we get into depression or anxiety, over-controlling life can lead to chemical imbalances, which is why medication works. You know, I have nothing against medication. Self-coaching was designed to work with physicians, with holistic healers, with coaches, with psychologists, with psychiatrists. What I do say, though, is that when you get at the motor, that's where you start to really get your chemistry back in order. And if you don't get at the motor, then what happens? Well, you're kind of dependent on the artificial means, the medications, in order to stay balanced. Now, let's say we, we decide to get at that motor and we start to develop our self-trust muscle. And yeah, I call it a muscle because like any other muscle, if you reinforce it, it's going to grow. It's going to get stronger. And when it gets stronger, what happens? Well, then you're able to deflect some of this needless worry and vulnerability and trust. Trust that you can handle life. So if you think about it for a second, all of worrying, all anxiety, what's it about? Well, it's about the distrust that you're going to handle life. Think of a guy going to a party or a gal, and you're standing outside that party, and you're wondering, ah, am I dressed okay? And who's going to be there? And, and what if someone asks me about where I've been? And Okay, so this is a distrusting, a self-distrusting person standing there ruminating about what might happen when they walk into that party. So you can see the stress is already building up in this person. The pattern of worry, anticipating, is building up. So what would a trusting person do in a similar situation? Well, the trusting person now has developed that self-trust muscle. They're willing to risk believing in themselves. It's a very important word, to risk believing in yourself. So the trusting person says, you know what? I have these concerns, but I'm just going to walk in there and see what happens. I'm going to let it unfold. Wow. Let life unfold. That's unique, huh? to not worry about what's going to be 10 minutes from now or 10 months from now, but to let life unfold and be part of the process of being responsive to what happens, not proactive. And I know we have a, a positive connotation to being proactive, but in a self-coaching sense, proactive means worrying about things that are in the future. I mean, it's okay to keep calendars and um, appointment books and things like that. Those are normal concerns. They're not tinged with insecurity. But a responsive person, a responsive person, 
is a person who responds to life as it unfolds. Do that, and there's absolutely no anxiety, no worry. Can't be, because you're grounded and you're present. It's what the mindfulness people are teaching us. Stay present. Now, you, you probably are going to have to practice that. If you've been a worrier like Todd here, you've probably been worrying most of your life. So it's going to take some effort because we're talking about breaking habits. And I do treat anxiety and depression, as heretical as it may sound, I treat them as habits, habits of insecurity that you're either feeding or starving. So let's, let's just decide right now to, to put worry in the category of trying to control a life that hasn't happened. And we're doing that because of our insecurity, our reflexive, knee-jerk insecurity. You can make that more conscious. You can challenge those knee-jerk reflections of insecurity. You can challenge them and bring yourself back to the present. You can insist on it. You could demand it. And you could practice being present. And you do it maybe for a minute, maybe 30 seconds, but practice it because now you're reinforcing a positive habit. And now you're beginning to starve insecurity. So that's it. You're either going to feed it or you're going to starve it. Starving insecurity, building self-trust, that's the only answer if you want to avoid emotional struggle. And that's what self-coaching is all about. So let's, let's, let's leave it at that. Let's get going with this self-trust. Let's build that muscle just as you would if you went to a gym. And let's start getting serious about getting conscious of that underlying insecurity that just seems to have a passive mind of its own and takes our life for a ride. Get in charge. Active mind versus passive mind. And I'll be seeing you next week as we'll talk some more about the concerns and emotional struggles that we all deal with and how to deal with it. And feel free to email me at drjoe at selfcoaching.net. And let me know if you have a question you'd like me to address in an upcoming podcast. And do check out my selfcoaching.net website for more information on how you need to become your best coach. So until next time, remember that being victimized by emotional struggle is not an option. By definition, victims are powerless, and you are not powerless. Remember, everything is hard until you make it simple. So join me and let's make this simple together. <laughs>